his mossy shoulders stooped from the heavy emotional burden he bears, the Swamp Thing shambles grimly through the night, until, at last, he reaches the stagnant marsh he sardonically calls home. It is only the Swamp that is kind to him now. It is only the Swamp that cares. For a moment, he pauses, remembering Linda, remembering the man he used to be. And if tears could come, they would. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muckmen, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode number four, the Len Wein tribute featuring Swamp Thing issues three through 13, DC Holiday Special 2017, and all new Guardians of the Galaxy issue 12. Hello and welcome back to the Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things. Yes, it's time once again to talk about comic books featuring those muck monsters, featuring those mud men, featuring those sludge beasts, featuring those bog creatures, featuring basically Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Um, I don't think there's any other swamp monsters we're going to talk about today. We could if I was going to deal with a holiday theme uh, because I do have a Man-Thing comic book that is a holiday-themed comic book. And I have a uh, Sludge Red Christmas uh, that's uh, from the Ultraverse. That would be a great way to talk about Sludge for the first time in this series of podcasts about Swamp swamp Monsters and Sludge Beasts. But um, that's not what I'm doing. I'm actually going to do something. This I'm just going to be honest with you. Let me. Can I get real with you? I mean, you know who I am. I, I'm I'm Ben. It's me. Uh, you know, we're friends, kind of. We're acquaintances. We're pod acquaintances. Uh, that's what we are, pod acquaintances. And we're you know you know what pod acquaintances do. First of all, we we watch things, we read things, we and then we talk about these things. And and there's some back, and there's some forth, and there's usually more forth than back. But there's there's some back and forth, and and part of that back and forth is where pod acquaintances we get real with each other. <laughs> And if I can just get real with you, this episode of uh, Swamp Things, uh, it's the fourth one I've done, and uh, it's also the fourth time I've recorded the beginning of this episode. Uh, for various reasons, I just haven't been able to get around to finishing, and then and, and I'll do part of one, and I'll be unhappy with it, and I'll come back to it later, and... I'll do it again and be unhappy with it, and then I'll do it again. And last time I did it, I was fairly happy with it, but uh, that's out of date now because of what I'm actually going to talk about because some new things have happened between the time I recorded that and the time that I'm recording this right now. So I can't just take off from that. And anyway, I'm doing an update on my computer, so the, this is the time when I can sit down and do this. And frankly, I can't even get to that file right now because my computer is is doing an update and... Um, so I'm I'm not sitting outside uh, as I have done in the past, and uh, but I am not using my computer. I'm I'm still kind of keeping that theme of using the microphone and my iP my iPhone and recording it like that. So yeah, so just let me tell you what what to expect for this episode. 
Uh, first, I'm going to have some thank yous that I'm going to give out to a couple different people in the podcasting realm who have done something very, very nice for me. And I will be talking about what this graphic novel is that I hold in my hand. And I'll also be talking about what this hunk of plastic is that I just picked up now after putting down that graphic novel and setting that down now as well. We'll be talking about um, two uh, new stories featuring Swamp Thing and Man Thing. Uh, one of them is from the DC Holiday Special 2017, and the other is from the all-new Guardians of the Galaxy issue number 12. And then the main event will be to explore Roots of the Swamp Thing, um, just to explore the uh, the remaining issues from the initial Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson run of Swamp Thing. So I talked about the first uh, Swamp Thing short story, and I talked about the first couple issues of the Swamp Thing series over on It's Midnight, the podcasting hour. Now, It's Midnight, the podcasting hour is one of those podcasts that is not on hiatus, just like this one is not on hiatus. However, it's slowed down with its production because of some real-world family things that are awesome, uh, but it means that he's been having to pick and choose what he wants to record. And, and one of the things he picked and cho chose not to record about for the time being is uh, Swamp Thing and and doing those episodes. So I'm going to kind of finish out uh, just talking in brief about the different issues that were in that run because I love this run of comics. Uh, it's not the best run of comics of all time, but if I were to be pinned down by someone and they were to grab me and say, hey, Ben, my good old pod acquaintance, I'm going to hold you down until you tell me five greatest uh, comic book runs ever. And as I was laying there on the ground with you holding my shirt shoulder and pressing into me, and I can smell your breath, man, and, and I can smell what you ate for breakfast. And and honestly, it, it's not a bad smell. It's it's kind of weird. Uh, normally, you would expect that to be a, a strange smell, but but it's not. It, it's 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 actually kind of sweet, and and it makes me think of grandma's house. But uh, anyway, uh, as I'm trying to run through in my mind, what are some of the greatest runs of comics of all time? This would be one of them. This would definitely be one of those in the five that just comes to mind immediately. Another run is uh, there's a Captain America run that would come out, come to mind immediately. And there there's some other stuff that would come to mind immediately. Um, but this is the one that would pop to mind. Just this would be the first one I would think of because it's just so good. I love the well, I'm not going to start into that right now. I mean, I've got some other things I need to talk about. So the other thing um, is the uh, the podcast promos that I'll be playing come from these people that I'm thanking. I've played podcast promos from them before, but uh, I'm going to be doing it again, and this time it's a, a more specific reason, and it's to say, hey, thanks for, you know, sending me stuff. <laughs> so the first one that I want to talk about is Dave's Daredevil podcast, and the host of Dave's Daredevil podcast, Dave, uh, he loves Daredevil and, and the most recent run of the Marvel Legends build a figure sets included uh, people related to the Netflix series that have been on Netflix uh, from Marvel. So it includes Jessica Jones, um, it includes Daredevil, Bullseye is in there, Elektra is in there, um, Blade is in there, and there's one more, one more that I'm missing. Now, the pieces that it came with were 
they're, they're the Build-A-Figure thing, where you buy all six of the Legends figures, and you get an arm in one, you get another arm in the other, you get the body in one, you get the head in one, you get you know accessories and that sort of thing. And if you bought this particular round, you would get the pieces that build an action figure of the character man thing. And this is so exciting to me, like, oh, I can actually get a, an action figure. Uh, but you have to spend, you know, 120 bucks to get all six of them. Well, uh, Dave from Dave's Daredevil podcast, he bought four of them, the four that he wanted, the four characters that he liked the most. Uh, Blade was not one of them because it's not really connected to Daredevil. And I think it was Jessica Jones that he didn't get as well. Um, and he sent me the four pieces that he got, which was awesome. So I get this uh, thing in the mail, and there's a swamp monster head. There's a left leg and two arms. And my kids and my wife thought it was one of the strangest things ever. But for me, it was one of the nicest things ever. And I really appreciated that. And so this is my podcasting uh, thank you that I'm, I'm giving to him right now. I did manage to find fairly reasonably priced the the torso on on eBay and so holding in my hand I actually have this man thing figure um he's missing a leg but uh that's okay I'm gonna find that leg somehow I believe the figure that um the torso came with was Jessica Jones and so I think it's blade and so I may actually just go ahead and buy the blade figure and and then be able to have the entire uh man thing action figure and then turn around and maybe try and sell the blade or I don't know um I, I don't, I mean, there's no reason for me to really keep it, but I do want to say once again, thank you very much, Dave. Um, I appreciate it. And this action figure is, is nice. It's, it's a nice figure. It's better than the one that I got that has the, uh, the swamp kind of platform that you can stick him on. Um, and yeah, so this is, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'll be playing one of his podcast promos, but uh, the other thing I got in the mail, and this was not something I knew about, I didn't even know this was coming, um, was a graphic novel. And this graphic novel is called Trekker, Rites of Passage. Now, this came to me from Darren and Ruth, who are podcasters, and they, they do a couple different podcasts. Uh, one is called Warlord Worlds, and that's how I got to know them as podcasters, as podquaintances, so to speak, is because I uh, was able to get in contact with them and talk with them a little bit about how much I like their podcast, and which is always something very nice to do, everyone. If you're out there right now and, and you listen to a podcast and you like it, um, and I'm not telling you to do this for Comic Time Machine. You can if you want. I appreciate it. But I am saying, like, if you listen to other podcasts, let them know. Um, let them know because it, it helps people to know it's, it's nice to know that there's people out there. It helps to know that there's people out there who actually listen, who actually like what people are doing. And so I, I reached out to them and told them I like the podcast. And I was listening to that podcast, which is about Mark Grell and, or Mike Grell rather. And, um, and the reason I went ahead and listened to that one was because they were talking about Warlord, which is a comic that I've read. And they're talking about John Sable, which is something I'm interested in and know about, but I have no plans to read. And then also Green Arrow, Mike Grell's work on, on Green Arrow. Now, they had two other podcasts that I found interesting, but I have not started to listen to because they are talking about series that I have not read and, and, and wasn't planning to read at the time. Uh, Xenozoic Xenophiles is one of them. That podcast is about the old Cadillacs and Dinosaurs comic book. Um, and I also think 
I'm not sure how this works, but I think Cadillacs and dinosaurs became Xenozoic, Xenozoic, whatever. I think it became that other name of the comic. Uh, but Cadillacs and dinosaurs is what I um, was familiar with. But then they also did one, uh, do a podcast about Trekker, which uh, the only reason I was familiar with that was because I was looking for graphic novels in my public library years ago. I mean, probably 15, maybe even 20 years ago. And they had a Trekker graphic novel on the shelf, and I went ahead and, and checked it out because even though I had never heard of it, uh, and I was looking for Star Trek, and actually Trekker was the reason that caught my eye on the shelf, just the spine. Um, and I, I gave it a try, but I think what happened was I maybe read the first issue that was in that graphic novel, and then it became overdue, which is what happens when I check things out of the library, and I returned it and never came back to it. And so I, I mentioned that to them, and sure enough, then I got an envelope not too long ago. Well, actually, it's a little bit overdue as far as the uh, the podcasting thank you goes, but um, it had a copy of Ron Randall's Trekker. Trekker, Rites of Passage. Uh, it actually has, uh, it's inscribed. It says, to Ben, best from Ron Randall. And they sent this to me, and I am now giving my podcast thank you to uh, to Darren and, and Ruth for sending me this Trekker, and to Dave from Dave's Daredevil Podcast for sending me those pieces of the Swamp Monster from Marvel. So, yes, those are my thank yous. And now it is time to play one of those podcast promos I was talking about. And for this will be, I think, for uh, Warlord Worlds, because like I said, most of the podcast promos I play are I play them because they're actually podcasts I listen to. I haven't read Trekker yet, and so I haven't actually listened to uh, Trekker talk yet. I will be. I'll I'll, I'll be getting to it. Um, I'm excited and and. Um, this might just end up being one of those like drug dealer kind of things where first one's free, but then you're going to pay difference being, I'm not going to go through withdrawals after I'm done reading, um, the way I would, if it was like crack cocaine or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to play a podcast promo right now. And, and when it's done, I'll come back and talk a little bit about the, uh, modern, uh, recent, appearances of Swamp Thing and Man-Thing in all new Guardians of the Galaxy and the DC holiday special. Warlord Worlds, a fan podcast devoted to the comic creations of Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Star Slayer, Shaman's Tears, and Green Arrow. I'm Darren. And I'm Ruth. We hope you'll join us as we discuss the stories, characters, and art in the many excellent comics from writer and artist Mike Grell. Warlord Worlds is available at podbean.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. Find us at warlordworlds.com. Oh, 
Okay, so let's start with the modern stuff with uh, all new Guardians of the Galaxy number 12. And this is written by Jerry Duggan and art is by Rod Reese. And I only bought this comic book for one reason and one reason only. Man Thing is in the book and on the cover. Now, there are other people on the cover as well, like Doctor Strange and and Cable. And, uh, of course, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, um, Star-Lord, Drax, Groot, Baby Groot. Uh, they're all on the cover here, and uh, the all-new Guardians of the Galaxy title is there, but it's one of those things where they incorporate the title into the cover by saying who will be the next member of the all-new Guardians of the Galaxy, and then there's a question mark there. That's all well and good. <laughs> the problem is um, I had to def- – there was a internal struggle that went on in my soul – I have now purchased in the last year two Deadpool comics. Uh, One is actually Deadpool, and the other one was this one with Deadpool on the cover. The gimmick is these four characters on the cover, one of them is going to be a member of the all-new Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's a part of me that thought, oh, it'd be neat if Man-Thing were to join the team because, you know, that's neat. But there's another part of me that was just thinking, well, it would not be so neat because then I'd be probably end up buying the comic and I don't want to buy it. Uh, so, I mean, here's the thing with this comic. Um, first of all, Deadpool. Oh, by the way, that other Deadpool comic that I purchased, I purchased it because it had Coulson in it and I hated, hated what happened in that comic. So the whole point of this issue is that the guardians of the galaxy are on earth and they're going to be leaving earth. And when they leave earth, someone from earth is going with them. And it's one of these people one of them. <laughs> uh, now, I've talked about this on uh, Welcome to Level 7 a little bit, but basically, as you go through, I mean, I have no idea what's going on in this comic. There are things happening with uh, Gamora astral projecting so she can talk to Doctor Strange, and um, there's uh, Cable is is talking, and turns out he's not Cable, but there's some weird things going on there, and um, Daredevil or not Daredevil Deadpool tries to sneak on their ship so he can leave Earth because no one likes him on Earth because of some of the things he did during uh, Civil War two or whatever it was when no not Civil War two uh, whatever it was with Captain America when Captain America turned into a Nazi and then he wasn't anymore and all that stuff. Well, Deadpool did some stuff that he's not too happy about. And one of those things that he did that he's not too happy about is the thing that I hate him for as well. <laughs> so um I was kind of happy to see him just get kicked off the ship with without much um, ceremony. Uh, Ant-Man also uh, enters into the comic, and I was trying to figure out if he is actually on the cover or not as one of the possible candidates for being the next member of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and I don't see him anywhere, but, you know, he is Ant-Man. He could be anywhere on this cover. And, yeah. So he talks to him. He also wants to leave the planet for the similar reasons to Deadpool, and they have to talk about it. But then they go, they have to go get Groot, and Groot is baby Groot, and he is in the swamps of Florida, held by the hand of Man Thing. And so when they arrive, uh, they talk about briefly, could he come with us? And then the Drax is just, well, we don't have room for a bog monster on the ship. And they almost let him go because they talk about him being the protector of the nexus of all realities, meaning he is a guardian. 
Uh, so legalistically speaking, he could go with them, but um, he doesn't want to go and he can't give them too much help with what they're looking for. They're looking for some stones that, I don't know, maybe they're Infinity Stones, maybe not. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this comic. All I know is in the middle of this comic, they stop at the swamps and they talk to Man-Thing and um, Groot speaks for Man-Thing and gives them a little bit of information and then all of a sudden they see a vision. And this page, honestly, is a really cool page where this vision, it's a double-page spread. In the middle of it is Man-Thing's face with the little um, tentacle uh, trunk things that are hanging down. And so just from top to bottom down the spine of the book and on either side, there are two panels. Um, and inside each panel is a solid bordered rectangle showing the eyes of, um, star Lord, Drax, Gamora and rocket. And then it also shows what they see and what they're seeing are different versions of, of themselves guardians from other realities who are also looking for these stones and in one of them Groot actually speaks um in in another one it's actually like the original guardians of the galaxy and um and so it's 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 a cool sequence and it's one that i can kind of i mean i recognize these characters and it's really neat but then after that happens they decide okay this is not good we're going to get out of here and they leave and they take a new member with them. And who is the new member? Well, I'm not going to say, I don't want to spoil that, but I probably already have. It was incidental. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's not a great comic as far as just picking it up in the middle of the run. Uh, there's a neat little sequence in there though, with man thing, um, letting them see other realities because he is the nexus of all realities, or at least he protects the nexus of all realities. And so when all is said and done, um, there, that's a neat sequence when he shows up and, and shows them the stuff. But I'm not purchasing the other issues of this series. It just wasn't enough to, to get my interest. And um, yeah, but now I have two comics from this past year alone with Deadpool on the cover. And I'm also not too pleased about that. I'll get over it. I always do. But that is All New Guardians of the Galaxy featuring Man-Thing in issue number 12. Now, Swamp Thing appeared in a different kind of book, and that is a $10 anthology book with 11 festive fables. $1 for each fable plus a bonus one. And it's a DC holiday special 2017. And... It's it's a mixed bag, and any anthology book is going to be a mixed bag. There is one classic story in here called The Silent Night of the Batman, which is written by um, Mike Frederick, and actually uh, Neil Adams and Dick Giordano are the artists on it, and it's a pretty decent story with a goofy kind of twist, um, And it's but it's a classic Christmas comic story. Um, Batman decides to take some time off from being Batman and sing Christmas carols with Commissioner Gordon and the police officers. And he just has a great time, has fun doing it. And as they're singing these different Christmas carols, we see what's happening around Gotham. And essentially what's happening around Gotham is uh, the whole, just the idea of Batman is stopping crimes and stopping criminals and stopping people from you know getting hurt. And, so Batman gets the night off because the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of Batman come together. And so something basically the idea is like there's a kid who 
um, who steals a, a gift from a lady. And while he he's standing there with his friends, they look up and see a shadow of um, – no, no, it's not the shadow. It's actually a, he has a the gift is a, a Batman doll, and so he returns it. It's someone else who sees the shadow of the Batman symbol, and it's a woman who's on a bridge, and she's about to jump off because she misses her husband. He's off at the war, and um, the shadow of the bridge on the water. It's a um, suspension bridge, and so it has the the tall towers, and and then has a suspension shape and and so that looks like a, a bat and she sees that and decides not to throw herself off the bridge and then her husband just happens to get off the truck at the same time and it's just that kind of thing and you know it's it's a nice little story um there are just so many uh, there's uh twas the night before christmas which is a batman story written by denny o'neill but honestly i did not enjoy it it was not very good it just ends very abruptly there's a green arrow black canary story written by uh, margaret scott and phil hester did the the pencils and it looks really nice but again it's just kind of a you know it's a short story writing short stories in comics is very hard to get a good solid ending and uh, what usually is going to happen is it's going to be just feel abrupt. Um, there's not a lot of time for buildup. However, there was a Sergeant Rock story in here written by Tom King, who is the guy who wrote that Batman issue featuring Swamp Thing. And that's a that's this. A, it's a decent story. Um, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, there's Flash. That's a story that I just didn't even I read it, but and it's nice enough. And it's basically he saves Christmas in a unique way that only Flash could. There's a Deathstroke story written by um, Christopher Priest. That, um, I, uh, it's okay. I didn't care that much for it, but it, it's written well. Um, <laughs> there is an Atomic Knights story written by Dan Didio. And I enjoyed that one. What was interesting was that story has a very similar outcome uh, to the Swamp Thing story that is in here, where there's these tree creatures that are actually from the original Atomic Knights series. And so I liked the callback to that. And this is, you know, years after the, uh, the Great Nuclear War wipes out almost all of humanity. And there's these pockets of humanity and they're trying to survive and Actually, this is a, a series that I think I've talked about before in Comic Time Machine. Uh, I think it would make a great um, serialized television show. Uh, it would look kind of goofy if the Atomic Knights actually wore the suits of armor that they wear in in the series. Uh, but it reminds me of like a Lost or, or a Walking Dead or something like that where you have these people and they're just trying to survive. And um, it's, it's all about the human spirit in the face of adver adversity. And one of the things that shows up in the original uh, series were these tree creatures and they have to deal with these, these tree creatures. And now the tree creatures seem to be assembling to fight and the humans have to decide, are we going to fight back? And then you find out that the tree creatures are assembling but not – to fight they're assembling because they wanted to bring a gift um and the gift is to remind them of of christmas and i'm not going to say much more than that other than um it's a nice it's a nice little story there's a teen titan story again it's okay uh it's all about learning the meaning of christmas from um you know the you know just uh there's an alien starfire she's learning about the, the meaning of the day um, then there's a Swamp Thing story, which we'll get to in a second. There's a Wonder Woman Batman story that is really, really well written. It's Greg Rucka, 
and it's narrated by Batman and and Wonder Woman kind of uh, side by side. And one is talking about how I, we work in the dark and the other is talking about how we work in the light and we have to remember the darkness and remember the light as we are doing what we're doing. And we can't forget the one or the other, but we also can't give in to the darkness and how, as we're trying to bring the light because they're both bringing the, it's, it's a decent story. It reminds me of the oversized um, Alex Ross uh, volumes that they did. Uh, I think it's uh wonder woman, wonder woman, uh, beacon of, oh, I can't remember the titles, Superman peace on earth and, and Batman war on crime and wonder woman. I can't remember what that one is. And there's a Shazam one as well. And then they did a, a justice league one and there are these oversized and books and they are honestly, um, you know, talking about favorite runs of comics, but uh, I wouldn't call that a run of comics necessarily, but they are fantastic. They're written by Paul Dini, uh, who was known for the work he did on uh, uh, the Batman, the animated series, but then the art is by Alex Ross and, and they are just plain wonderful. Um, and then there's the Batman Constantine thing, which, you know, it's, yeah, it's okay. But the Swamp Thing is interesting because I don't know when or where this takes place, um, but it's the it's about a space station that uh, is in there. It's orbiting the Earth, and it looks almost like the Justice League satellite, but it's not. And it just has these uh, five or six um, people on the space station, and they're hearing all this stuff from the Earth just about how horrible things are, and it's very hopeless. And they're realizing they're going to be up in space, and they're going to die in space. Um, because they're running out of, of what they need to survive and Swamp Thing comes and it's kind of a horror story. But at the same time, it ends with this very strange note of, of hope. And it's written by Scott Brian Wilson uh, with art by Nick Klein. And uh, honestly, it's, it's an oddball little story because it doesn't take place in uh, it doesn't take place in current continuity, uh, at least not that I can tell. Uh, but it doesn't need to. It's just his own little story. Uh, Sci-fi space station crew, you know, and, and they're dealing with the you know the hopelessness of just being out in space alone. And any kind of comic or story, I mean, movie, I mean, even Alien, you know, Alien is all about being out in space, out and alone. And um, it's, it's difficult to, um, you know, survive in space and let alone when you're in a spaceship and but it's just uh, working on the metaphor of you know just this idea of we are alone or are we and when swamp thing shows up uh is <laughs> he he uh makes his appearance because he's able to enter through mistletoe that was brought on the ship in uh anticipation of of the christmas season and yeah, so I, I like the story. Now, is that short story worth the $10 cover price? No way. No way. Um, all the tales together, are they worth the $10 cover price? Almost. Almost. Not quite, but almost. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I enjoyed reading them, but I wouldn't have purchased that book, and I don't feel like I would have missed out on much if I hadn't hadn't bought the book. Um but I, I was glad to read, you know, just this kind of cross section of the DC universe. And that's what those kind of books are really good for, in my opinion, is you get a cross section of the DC universe in 2017. And it includes a story about Swamp Thing. And so, yeah, um, can't go wrong. 
So next, uh, next up, we're going to talk about the uh, Swamp Thing series from Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. And I am very excited to talk about this. And after I play this Dave's Daredevil podcast promo, we'll get to it. Okay, doing the new promo. Do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see ya. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at twotruefreaks.com, home of Earth's mightiest podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at twotruefreaks.com. Take the dare. I have no self-control. So I mentioned before that I have talked about this uh, this series on a podcast called Midnight the Podcasting Hour with Ryan Daly. And so what I would recommend if you like what I'm talking about here is to – Go ahead, go over to Midnight the Podcasting Hour and download those episodes about Swamp Thing that I did with him and stay subscribed and listen to the other stuff that he uh, talks about, uh, like Night Force and short DC horror fiction. Um, there's a lot of really cool stuff that he's talking about over there that if you are interested in Swamp Thing, you would definitely be interested in listening to him and the other co-hosts that he has and uh, the, the stuff that he's talking about over there. So uh, go over there, listen, go for the Swamp Thing and stay for the horror. That's that's what I'll recommend with that. Uh, so Ryan and I talked about the first couple of issues of Swamp Thing, and that includes the issue where Swamp Thing meets Arcane, and you get Bernie Wrightson's crazy Unmen uh, artwork with with those characters. Um, and then, of course, the brand new origin story that appeared in issue number one that was kind of a reboot of the origin story from House House of Secrets, number 92. And from here, then, the, the remainder of the Len Wein, uh, Bernie Wrightson run on Swamp Thing is really uh, just taking Swamp Thing through horror tropes. And it's really neat, and I really enjoy it. Now, you can get these in reprints. Um, I have uh, the Roots of the Swamp Thing uh, graphic novel from 2012, I believe it is. That's what I have in my hands right now, just because it's easier to hold uh, and also easy to throw into a backpack or a briefcase when I'm traveling with this and, and wanting to read. I also have uh, these uh, reprint issues. I don't have the original issues of this run, but reprint issues of this run, and they are... Uh, on regular comic paper and they are that's that's really the best way to read any of these swamp thing issues that i'm talking about right now is on newsprint and just the pulpy feel the comic book paper and just that that old style printing 
Um, the omnibus then also that I have that is just this huge giant brick of a book that looks great next to the the man thing omnibus. Um, they're both just giant books and look great on my shelf. They're also the pages, uh, you know, looks great. The artwork looks great. Uh, but just that uh, runny, bleedy ink on uh, newsprint-ish kind of paper. Uh, there's just something about that when you're when you're reading these kind of stories in those kind of books. It, it just adds to the experience and makes it a a tactile experience of this this pulp horror that you you get out of it. So uh, that's my my recommendation is to find cheap reprints. But uh, the easiest thing to read is. Uh, and, and probably to get your hands on now is either Roots of the Swamp Thing uh, or or the uh, the omnibus that they did of Bronze Age Swamp Thing, which features all the Swamp Thing issues um, basically up through the Alan Moore run. Uh, it does not include the Challengers of the Unknown, but it does uh, include a lot of stuff and a lot of the stuff after this run uh, when, when Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson weren't working together anymore. Now, um, for for this series itself... Um, it, it, Bernie Wrightson doesn't go all the way through issue number 13. Len Wein does, but Bernie Wrightson does not. It's Nestor Redondo re- replaces him. Um, and, and it's still good. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's still good. It's just not as, uh, not as classic. I, I don't know. I don't know what the quite the right word is that I'm looking for to, uh, to explain, but you know, Bernie Wrightson just has this touch when he's drawing horror and it's just, there's just something so, uh, energetic and, and horrific and, and yet still kind of cartoony. I mean, some of the horror is actually muted by his choice of cartoony facial expressions and that sort of thing. But then at the same time, it's also enhanced, I think a little bit by that as well. Um, and so his creatures are, are horrific, but his humans are caricature and it's just not just in their face, but in, in their movements. But then there's, there's just this, this motion that goes into his artwork as well. And I don't know, there's, there's just something wonderful, just something magnificent. And it's, it's just a beautiful horror, um, which there's, there's certain artists and filmmakers and and even writers who are able to, um, take hold of, of a horror story and, and just infuse it with, with this beauty. Um, and, and it's interesting because this juxtaposition of, uh, something that should be ugly and and does disturb, but it disturbs in such a way that you can't help but appreciate the beauty behind it. And I'm not sure what that says about um, <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about horror, and I'm not sure what that says about me that I, I recognize that. But there is a, a beauty in the horror, especially of what Bernie Wrightson does with his with these comics here. Uh, like I said, the Swamp Thing basically goes on a tour of of uh, horror tropes now in issue number one the trope is that of the man who becomes a monster and so it's it's about um alec holland and he he has become he becomes the swamp thing and by at the beginning he's a man but at the end 
He is a muck-encrusted mockery of a man. And like I said, I talked about that at length with uh, Ryan Daly in, on, on uh, Midnight the Pod- Podcasting Hour. Uh, issue number, number two is uh, The Man Who Wanted Forever, and that is your mad scientist story. Uh, and it's not just a mad scientist, but it's a mad scientist who uh, dabbles in the dark arts. And so it's, it's this, he's got a gothic castle and it's got all, all sorts of stuff in it that just really set the scene and, and make for a great storytelling experience. But it ends with a guy who looks kind of, I don't know, Frankenstein's monster-ish. Uh, again, go back to Midnight the Podcasting Hour and, and definitely um, check out some of the more in-depth stuff that we talked about there. But that that Frankenstein's monster kind of creature he is the feature of uh, issue number three. Issue number three is called The Patchwork Man. And this is where Swamp Thing uh, comes in contact with this creature who seems to be uh, – he's a patchwork man because he was put together from pieces of humans. He was put together by Arcane, and that's um, – <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it's a it's a good way to to bring this creature to the forefront. It's not an unman necessarily. He's he's pieces. Of, I mean, he's he's Frankenstein's monster, and this goes along with what Arcane would you know try and do as he's trying to um, you know push the limits of science and uh, not just science but magic as well. And he. Um, course comes into conflict with uh the people of the village and so you have actually like people with torches and pitchforks and you've got all the tropes happening there and the other thing is he's a misunderstood monster absolutely he's a misunderstood monster and swamp thing realizes he's a misunderstood monster even as swamp thing is battling him what's interesting is the identity of who this monster is and it's an unfortunate identity um it's He's he's actually um, Abigail Arcane's father, and it's really really weird um, that that's so. When he's going after the girl, he's not going after the girl because he has fallen in love with the girl. It's because that's that's his child, and I always forget when I read this issue that that's that's kind of the twist there. But the twist it is, and it's a nice, interesting twist. It's weird. Of course, but um, again, it, it gives a twist to the trope. <clears throat> so issue number four is called uh, Monster on the Moors, and this is the werewolf uh, trope. And so Swamp Thing hitches a ride on a plane, and this this plane was carrying um, uh, Matt Cable and Abby Arcane, and it crash lands in the Scottish Moors. And there is a splash page in this issue. It's it's page four of the issue based on um, the numbering that's in this graphic novel reprinting. Um, and it is just the perfect gothic Moors kind of thing. Swamp Thing is standing behind a rock. There's a, a horse-drawn carriage that's being drawn, uh, that's being uh, ridden through the fog to this house. And there's there's these branches that are reaching up and it is just plain gorgeous. And so of course um, they're on the moors. And so this is, it's your, your classic kind of uh, 
werewolf story and Swamp Thing, of course, comes into conflict with with the werewolf. And um, yeah, and so then there's one more splash page in this issue, and that is of of the werewolf after he's been uh, transformed and and he's just standing there and his clothes are in tatters and hanging off of his body. And it is just a wonderful, wonderful piece of artwork. And of course, then a Swamp Thing and the werewolf get into a battle, and that it ends with Swamp Thing, uh, you know, walking away alone with the Lonely Man piano playing as he walks through the moors. Uh, meanwhile, um, you know, Matt Cable, he is just he he had his life saved by Swamp Thing, but um, he's still upset because Linda and Alec Holland were were killed by Swamp Thing. Well. Not really, but that's what it looked like. I mean, Alec Holland became Swamp Thing. Issue number number five is The Last of the Ravenwind Witches. And this is another one where, you know, so now we have the 70s um, trope of the uh, the witchcraft and, and witches. And and uh, it this is another one it's that, that just has an incredible twist to it and again it has pitchforks and it has um torches and it has a woman who um the people of the village want to kill because she's a witch and she has her little brother and he um her, her little brother is uh, mentally handicapped and um yeah so they're gonna burn her at on uh just out on the cliffside on, on this, uh, kind of burning pyre. And it's, again, this is, this is a page that where, where they're actually finally getting ready to, to destroy her as, as the witch. Um, this page just has some beautiful artwork and just, there's just so much motion and emotion. And as they're getting ready to, to kill her, um, (laughs) swamp thing comes and, and he goes to, to battle, with with them for her and and saves her by actually like ripping the tree from the ground while she's still attached to it and then you find out the twist is uh, i feel it bad even talking about the, the twists here but the the problem is um a lot of these are just all about turning the trope on its head now one of the twists is you know she obviously is not a witch who wants to kill people and she's not out there to to kill people um but she she, you know, will want to protect her, her brother, but, um, the magic power is not from her. It, it is from her brother and who he's just kind and gentle. And, and again, they're misunderstood. And and so one of the things, you know, that, that clearly is happening here. And, and this is, this is something that was happening all throughout the seventies, honestly, is kind of taking the, the tropes of good and evil and turning those on their head as well. And so you have this, this witch who would be something evil if it was a story from, you know, the fifties. Uh, but here in the seventies, she is someone who is, is good and, and gracious and, and, and beautiful. And, and she just wants to protect her, her brother. Now this one ends with a final page showing two people who are talking to each other. And one of them is Linda and the other is Alec Holland. And so that is kind of our uh, cliffhanger there, which brings us into issue number six. Now with issue number six, we have people who are looking for the swamp monster and we get, you know, lots of background and stuff like that. And 
um, Swamp Thing is, is continuing his journey and he comes across Alec and, and Linda Holland and he gets taken into this um, small village and it's this beautiful um, European style, uh, you know, German looking village or Swedish or, or whatever. Uh, and there's a guy there and he is a clockmaker and an inventor and it turns out that he actually has built this village and everyone in the village are all robots. And so you end up with this situation where Swamp Thing comes face to face with his his wife who is dead and it's a robot, you know, and and he um he's toying with like can I can I live with her forever? Uh can I stay with her? Now the clockmaker's name is Clockman, but it's spelled K L O C H M A N N, and it's wonderful. I, I, it's cheesy and it's goofy, but there's um, bad guys who come and they they want Clockman's uh, things and and his his science and um, so of course Swamp Thing then battles robots, and it's again it's wonderful. Unfortunately, everything gets incinerated. And all the robots get destroyed, and and that includes the the Linda robot, and um, yeah, and so Swamp Thing again continues on his journey. The Lonely Man piano plays, but again, there's there's just these these moments um, where it, it's just it, it's a horrific kind of thing. It's this one's cheesy though. Um, I mean, with all the the clockwork humans who are perfect androids uh, and you know almost it's almost un, unnoticeable that they actually aren't human now this one ends with a, just a real downer like everything gets torched I, I and that's terrible enough but the idea of this village was clockman was creating a perfect society of peace and and no conflict and no um hatred uh, but then when he gets killed by the bad guys, the robots rise up. The the clockwork automaton android type people, uh, they rise up and, and they go up against the evil bad guys. And uh, they it, – it's it, it's nihilistic. I mean the this race uh, – the way Swamp Thing puts it, let's see. It's on page 20 of that story. Poor Clockman. In the end, his new race of men was not so terribly different from the old. What a shame that and, – and there's a clock. And as, as he's talking, the, the clock rings out and he puts his fist through it. And then as he walks away, we actually see through the clock where he put his fist through it. And, and there he is. He's leaving with a dog. And this dog is an important dog. This is a dog from uh, an earlier issue that we've seen. This is the dog that uh, the big bad who has that weird monkey beast thing that he had an issue. I think it was issue one or two, but um, this dog was actually um, sent to spy on on uh, Alec Holland and had like a listening device within. So the uh, the bad guys um, are from Gotham City. And so issue number seven is where we kind of move away from the horror trope because now we're in a superhero comic and it's called Night of the Bat because he is in Gotham City. And so this issue starts with him getting some clothes so he can walk around Gotham City at night and not look terribly weird. Uh, the other thing that's happening is Batman is going around and he's he's doing an investigation. And uh, Len, 
Len Wein writes a good Batman. Bernie Wrightson draws a decent Batman. Um, but he's got definitely the long cape, long cape. And it's not as bad as like a Todd McFarlane kind of thing. But um, Batman is out. And, and so both Swamp Thing and Batman are investigating and trying to uh, find out what's going on. Batman's trying to find uh, Swamp the Swamp Monster. And a swamp monster, a swamp thing, is trying to find um, uh, the bad guy, and so finally, it comes down to a battle between Swamp Thing and Batman. That this battle between Swamp Thing and Batman just kind of proves that who would win in the bat in a fight, Superman or Batman? Well, it's obviously it's it's Swamp Thing. The way Swamp Thing wins just shows Superman would win. Uh, Batman is surprised to see Swamp Thing and Swamp Thing just takes him out in one punch. Just a single thud with two Ds. Now it's a thud with two Ds. So, I mean, this is not just a regular punch. This isn't just a regular punch that's a thud with one D. No, this is a thud with with two Ds. But um, Swamp Thing is able to get into the building where the bad guy is. And um, the bad guy is just this fat, rich guy who... Uh, is is just you're he he's he's a trope himself really i mean he he's a cliche but there's this really cool segment then where swamp thing is ascending the outer side of the outside of the building where batman is then running up the stairs of the building following the dog because the dog is trying to get back to his home where where the bad guy is and so swamp thing then is able to get there first confront the bad guy and Actually, no, Batman might have gotten there first. Well, anyway, whoever gets there first, Swamp Thing is the guy, gets to the guy first. And he goes through the whole, you know, I want to kill you because of what you did to me. You murdered my wife. You tortured my friend. Um, he actually shoots the dog. Um, and so Swamp Thing is, you know, you shot my dog and you did this to me. I'm going to kill you with my hands. But no, I can't because if I do that, I will become just like him. But um, he pushes the guy backward, and as the guy falls back, he steps on the foot of the weird baboon person thing, and it bites his leg. And so then he trips backward, falls off the side of the building, and Batman can't save him. Batman runs to to you know try and save him, and he he can't. And and when Batman turns around, Swamp Thing is gone. So issue the next issue it has Swamp Thing continuing with this lonely man kind of traveling from place to place and so now we've left again the the vigilante comic trope and we've moved now into issue number 8 which is the lurker in tunnel 13 and now we're getting into some Lovecraftian horror. Now this starts with one of my favorite things that is a fight with a bear and Swamp Thing takes a couple pages for him to defeat this bear and <laughs> he does though he does and we also get you know kind of a, a recap of of his story and then he comes into this village and this village has uh, a mine and and uh, in this mine oh my goodness uh, he he goes in there because it's kind of there's some some kind of mind control going on there and uh, it, here so here's the 
the the captioning that, that leads up to this grand reveal, this splash page for this issue. Determinedly, the hulking man brute shambles into the tunnel's depths, his moss hooded eye peering intently ahead. And that is unfortunate, for were he to glance back at the crowd gathered behind him, he might notice a bizarre expression on their shadowed faces, a gleaming grin of triumph. See, they he's going in because he thinks he's helping them, but they actually want him to go in there uh, because. Well, what's going to happen? But the Swamp Thing does not glance back, and so he lumbers on, following the tracks of a rusty ore card deep into the clutching darkness until he tracks until the tracks abruptly end, and there is nothing for him to follow save an inner voice that draws him onward, onward into the tunnel's darkest recesses and the rim of an unnatural pit, for he has called, and at last he has been answered, and having been answered, he is satisfied, most satisfied, for he is Menagala, and he lives. Dear God in heaven, he lives. And to the nauseated Swamp Thing's mind, he speaks in a voice that is like a guttural whisper from beyond the grave, like a flesh-curdling hissing out of hell. Welcome, you who were once Dr. Alec Halland. Menagala has been expecting you. And so he's standing on the edge of a cliff now in this cave, and he's looking down on what looks almost kind of lava-like. And there's these wisps of smoke that are rising from this weird... um, you know, Lovecraftian or H.R. Uh, Geiger-ish kind of thing. There's eyeballs in there, and there's what looks like organs, and it's just this mash of f- weird flesh. And so here's the story. Come to me, Dr. Alec Holland. Menalgala has need of you. And uh, and then the Swamp Thing wrenched free from the tunnel walls, and uh, he... <laughs> He uh, tentacles are rising up and, and grabbing him and come, Dr. Hollow, do not be foolish. You cannot hope to deny Menagala for Menagala is eternal, the giver of all things. It was Menagala who decreed the birth of life on your world. Menagala who saw to the coming of man and bestowed him with the capacity for mindless violence. But Menagala has been generous as well, for he has touched the minds of your greatest scribes, including <laughs> Lovecraft, Bierce, Poe, but Menagala has done all of this from a very far place, a place not of your world, and there alone Menagala would have stayed had not Abraham, father of Ezekiel, grandfather of Jason, who are all these people from the the village, uh, spoken the spell that freed Menagala from his distant prison. Menagala came into your world most slowly as a growth on the limb of he who released Menagala. Until at last, Menagala consumed him and took Abraham's physical mass as his own. But Menagala grew hungry and hungry for more mass to claim as his own, hungry to drink the minds of those whose mass he claimed. And so Menagala went searching and found more mass to thrive on. A large mass, a small mass, all the same to Menagala, for Menagala must have mass to grow, to grow to his full size before the universe reaches prime. So basically, this thing is just absorbing all flesh and is 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 planning to become a planet (laughs) he's planning to become like an intergalactic body himself and so um swamp thing throws this giant beam at him and it's nice but um not not enough and then there's a, a cave in and so swamp thing comes out of the cave and he's upset because he thought he was going to help the villagers, but they sent him in there as a sacrifice and he's so mad. But of course he doesn't, he doesn't kill because it's over, but is it really over? No, because one of the children of the village has a growth of Managala on his arm. <laughs> so, 
Uh, issue number nine has one of the greatest covers of of this run and maybe one of the greatest covers of all time, a swamp thing rising from the swamp. And, and it's just this wonderful, wonderful cover. Now, this one is called The Stalker from Beyond. And, and this one is also... Um, you know, again, into a trope here, and that is it. we're we're getting to UFOs and and aliens, and there's some really really cool artwork in this one. The splash page when you first see the alien, and and see what he looks like, and he has these kind of stocky legs and the stocky body, and he's wearing the space suit and he's carrying this kind of weapon kind of thing. Swamp Thing is coming to the barn where um everything all happened, and finds this uh, alien who's trying to fix his spaceship. Um, and it's just, this issue has some of the best visual storytelling, uh, of, of this entire run, um, which was just saying something, um, swamp thing confronts the alien, the alien zaps his hand off. And as he falls back, his hand gets zapped away and then starts growing back. And, but it's done in one, two, three, four, it's done in five panels. And there are these long, um, panels that are the entire width, width of the page. And it's just some really, really good, um, um, chronological storytelling going on here. Just these moments in time. And it's much more cinematic in a lot of ways. Now there's also some, uh, guys who are, have come and they capture the alien, and there's another se- a sequence on page uh, 15 of this issue where it's just one panel done six times as far as like the uh, the scope of the panel. It just shows where they're setting up camp and there's a tree in the middle of the panel where the alien has been tied or chained uh, to this, this tree. And the people are walking around and they're they're talking and the conversation is happening. And it's basically, it's just one scene and it's, it's just really, really neat, really well done. Great storytelling in this issue. And what I love is that this issue not only has great storytelling as far as just how the visuals present the story, there's also great storytelling as far as what the visuals are, especially with this, this strange creature, this strange uh, alien. And then of course you throw into the mix, uh, the swamp thing and he, and swamp thing tries to help the alien and gets him back to his ship. But of course there's a twist and the twist. One twist is that the alien isn't there to conquer, but the other twist is again, kind of this nihilistic hopeless kind of thing. Uh, then that's Bernie Wrightson as well. And, and so then uh, issue number 10 is Bernie Wrightson's last issue. And that is the man who wouldn't die. And so now we've, I mean, we've, we've covered it. We've had the witch story. We've had the Frankenstein story. We've had the Wolfman story. We've had the alien. We've had the Lovecraft, Lovecraft thing. We've had Batman. And now we get the ghost story. And this is probably the weakest of the bunch. And I, I feel bad almost that this is uh, um, the final um, uh, story that, that Bernie Wrightson does. But it does bring back the unmen. And they are still just looking fantastic. They just are disgusting and weird and disturbing. And and they they fight Swamp Thing, but then Swamp Thing gets helped by the ghosts of um of some slaves that were were killed earlier. It just it's a ghost story, and ghost stories don't do much for me. I mean, I'm not scared of ghost stories, even though they're they tend to be creepy. Um 
but they just they just don't work as well for me. And, and so for that particular story, um, it's the unmen that do it for me in this one that just make the his battle with them is is really really real well done. From here we go to issue number eleven, and issue number one eleven. Um, this is where Nestor Redondo joins in, and this is. Honestly, he does a great job. He does a really, really great job. And and this one starts uh, with, what, with one thing that I thought we were going to end up with, uh, with uh, basically, it almost looks like, um, uh, oh, what's the what's the story from, from Jules Verne? Uh, the Island of Dr. Moreau. Now, that's not Jules Verne. It's H.U. Wells. Anyway, um, this is kind of what we're getting with this man alligator thing that that rises from the swamp and i thought that that's what was happening with this story until the, these weird swamp worm things come and they attack um uh matt cable and, and abby arcane and and there's this this page that again this it's the splash pages that just are wonderful uh and this is where these weird worm creatures one grabs abby arcane in in its mouth while uh matt cable who is wearing a backpack and has uh this this kind of collared jacket and he has a, a holster on his on his hip from his belt he's wearing boots and it just feels like a, an, an adventure story uh with swamp thing in the background trying to come and rescue them um and they are actually the, these creatures. Um, they they take Abby and they take Matt into this underground world, and so maybe it is kind of an HGOL's thing. It's it's you know the Island Doctor Moreau kind of thing, but uh, I guess maybe it's more of a lost civilization kind of thing. But the the alligator man from the beginning it has nothing to do with this. Uh, now I say lost civilization. It actually is. Um, from a phantom stranger story called specter of the stalking swamp, which I have not read, but I would like to. So anyway, after this guy gets defeated by the good guys from a phantom stranger comic, which is, I think it's a doctor. Yeah, it's Dr. 13. It's not phantom stranger that he actually comes in and battles, but um, his city sinks into the swamp. And then these worm things find him and nurse him back to health. And then he, is planning to do his, his new Eden again. He's brought people to be, you know, kind of starting the civilization with him and they escape and swamp thing comes and fights the worms and find out that, um, the worms are actually, uh, using this guy. He thinks that they're helping him so he can build his civilization again. Um, but they aren't, they, they are using him. They are hungry and the way the creatures say it is, um, in the cavern we slept for untold years until your city awakened us. We hungered, and in your mind we saw a way to ease our need. Uh, our goals were the same. You wanted to save man, so did we. Only our reasons were different. You wished to preserve man's knowledge, his spirit. We wished to preserve man's body for food. <laughs> so we have that kind of to serve man twist and... Um, now there's other things going on here. There's, there's some racial elements in here because one of the couples of people that has been brought down there is African American. And, um, so there's, there's some of that going on there, but, uh, they do end up getting out of the city when it, as it explodes. 
The next issue, uh, number 12, has another great cover, and that is Swamp Thing using a uh, stick, and he's put it in the jaws of a dinosaur that is um, and they're in this jungle area. And so now we're getting a time travel story. It's called The Eternity Man. And, and this is a, a decent story as well. It's about, uh, well, Swamp Thing gets thrown back in time, and he then travels through time. He, he fights dinosaurs, and um, he ends up... Uh, in, in the Colosseum, uh, fighting lions, and he, he goes through all these time periods, and every time he gets to this time period, there is someone who he recognizes who is also going from time period to time period. And, and it's a good story. It's a decent story, but um, I'm also a sucker for time travel stories. And then finally, uh, issue number 13 has another great cover, and that's Swamp Thing rising from the earth um, <laughs> in the graveyard. And it's this one brings back the the alligator creatures, and it's called the Leviathan Conspiracy. And this is probably the weakest of all the stories. And he gets uh, Swamp Thing gets captured and brought in, and he's being he thinks that he's there to help them, but um, they just it's it's not. The, the worst, but it's not the greatest. And he gets rescued by Matt Cable, and it's kind of this James Bondy kind of thing as they, they get in there. And, and the way that they, <laughs> the way they get him out is um, they, he gets buried uh, in, in a graveyard uh, in the place of one of the people that, that got killed in the rescue. But this is the issue that allows Matt Cable to find out Swamp Thing's real story and so he gets buried at, in in the place of of one of the scientists people and then he rises from the grave and walks past his own grave uh where linda is also buried and so it ends with this monologue oh no my own grave and linda's darling linda's oh god linda what did i do to you. It's all, it's, it's my fault you're dead. Me and my damn dedication to duty. There were so many things I meant to tell you, Linda. So many plans we never made. So many dreams we never realized. All my fault. If there truly is a heaven, sweet Linda, I pray to God you're happy there. And there must be a heaven because I know there is a hell. I'm living in that hell right now. Well, I better get going. Cable and the others will be waiting for me. Waiting to, waiting to do what? And then he decides he's not going to go back to them because what can they do? What can they do? And so the lonely man <laughs> piano music plays again as he walks off away. And, and that's where we get our, our monologue that opened this episode. So that's, I mean, that's a really quick uh, blasting through those issues. And I just highly, highly recommend them, especially if you're a fan of horror stories. Um, just the way it goes through all of these different, um, the different horror tropes of um, the, the mad scientist, the, the witch, the, the werewolf, uh, all these things. And it's done so well. It's just done so well. Now, obviously, it appeals to a certain type of person who appreciates a certain type of story. Me. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just really, really, really well done. So that is Swamp Thing by Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson. And, of course, by Nestor Redondo, who joins the team. And the ending is just perfect. 
the ending is just perfect because it uh, it references that earlier story, uh, that first story that they did uh, with with Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson, where it's that gothic horror story, and you have that final page where Swamp Thing is just so um, just distraught because. Uh, the woman that he loves is terrified by the sight of him. And so he walks away again, the lonely man piano player um, is, is playing and it says, uh, you know, only the swamp is kind to me. Now it is the only the swamp that cares. I look down at my wrist at the barren place where once there was a golden bracelet and I wonder where it is. And there's just this single panel with these mournful eyes. And then it says, if tears could come, they would. And that's the way this issue ends when Len Wein finishes out his run on Swamp Thing here. And that's uh, for a moment he pauses, remembering Linda, remember the man he used to be. And if tears could come, they would. And it really does. It mimics that exactly where he's there. He's looking the next panel. It's not quite as mournful of a, of an expression, uh, but it's still it's very mournful. And then uh, then he walks away into the distance with his back to you as the reader walking toward the moon. Now, there's more Swamp Thing stories to come, obviously. But that's the other thing that makes this such a great run is that uh, now this is mirroring the uh, that original story, uh, which isn't actually a part of this run uh, of, of story uh, as far as canon at this point. This is its own thing. But um the first of all, the um, just riffing on that emotional ending uh, from that original short story. This is kind of the culmination of the reboot of that original short story, and it's good, it's emotional, it's powerful, and it's a great ending. And so, if you get this Roots of the Swamp thing uh, volume. Um, and you just, and that's the only stuff you read of Swamp Thing. This, this is all you need. Now there are a couple unanswered questions that, you know, come up because of, of some of the plot elements that they're throwing in with, uh, some of these, especially in that last issue, but, but all things considered, this is just a great, uh, beginning, middle and end over and over and over again. I mean, these, a lot of these are one shots, even though there is kind of a serialized, um, element to it as he's especially looking for the person who's responsible for the death of his wife. But yeah, I mean this, this just, it gives you a nice ending. Now it's not a perfect ending. It's not the, when I say a nice ending, I'm not saying, Oh, everything's wrapped up with a nice, neat bow. That is not at all what happens here. Len Wein will come back to the character and he comes back, um, with uh, a really good mini series that came out a little while ago and it it was really really good and he also apparently there's another uh, story that's going to be published that Len Wein started to write and I don't know what's happening with that but there is a Swamp Thing winter special I think that's coming out that will feature a story by Tom King who wrote that Batman story that featured Swamp Thing that I really enjoyed and it also is supposed to feature some some stuff that Len Wein was working on before he passed away. And so I'm very excited for that. And I absolutely will be covering that, hopefully in a little more timely of a manner. Um, of course, with the DC holiday special, I mean, I'm only recording this like a day or two after Christmas. So I'm not too far away from a timely manner. It's just been, you know, getting these episodes out in a timely manner. But yeah, so I've really enjoyed this, though. And, and I... 
this is something that I always enjoy rereading and there's always surprises and there's always something that I just really appreciate, especially in the artwork. Um, that just is something new and, and something fresh and something that I maybe hadn't noticed before, or even better when you read something again that you've read before, but you forgot what you read before and suddenly, Oh wow, this is much better than I remembered or, Oh wow. I remember this was good, but I didn't remember it was that good. So that said, I want to say thank you so much for listening and I really appreciate that you did listen and, um, from here, I don't know what's happening next for the comic book time machine or for this. Well, for the swamp things, it probably will be that that uh, swamp thing winter special. And uh, maybe I'll, I'll touch on another swamp monster or something like that. Uh, something that's not man thing or swamp thing, but, you know, one of those short stories that I really enjoy. And I don't have a swamp thing on the screen to talk about for this, this episode, um, partially because I just, I don't even access to my notes. I don't even know what I was going to do, let alone what I am doing right now. But, um, next time I will have a, a swamp, a swamp monster on the screen. Before I close this down, let's talk about the, the judgment that I pass on, uh, comic books that are swamp monsters. Uh, if I can remember this correctly, it's um, the cover and the content and the creature, the three, the three C's. And for the all new Guardians of the Galaxies, uh, all new Guardians of the Galaxy, the cover is a nice cover if it didn't have Deadpool on it. Um, it's not it's not poster worthy. It's uh, it's good, but it's not great. And the man thing on the cover i mean when he's he's reaching out and he's he looks menacing and and it's a classic pose and uh, a well done rendition but at the same time deadpool's there so don't like the cover as far as the content goes i've talked about how i uh i have no idea what's going on with those characters and and that's okay it's not a bad thing um the man thing when he makes his appearance uh, that's a neat sequence, and I enjoyed that, but it's it's still the, the content doesn't do it for me. Uh, but and then the creature, um, he acts like the character. But again, th this is just as far as my my concerns here. Uh, it was OK. Uh, the content of the DC holiday special with the story Swamp Thing acts like Swamp Thing There's a cool um, double page sequence where it's just really neat and and swamp things doing swamp thingy stuff with people and the story itself is good and i also like the atomic knights story and i think it's funny that the plant-based stories both kind of had a similar uh ending the cover or well the creature then i mean swamp thing is he's he's acting plenty like swamp thing uh the cover as far as my concerns here like is it a cool cover that would make me buy it because the cover has a cool swamp monster on it no uh there is no swamp monster on it there's batman there's superman there's robin and Superboy, super kid uh there's i don't know who it is super son uh but i don't know what they they call him in the comics because i don't read those uh wonder woman flash and kid flash and they're all riding a sled in the snow and it's a nice postcard but not poster. Um, it definitely would fit on a Christmas card for sure. I think it'd be a really neat Christmas card actually. But at the same time, that's the cover is not going to get me to buy it. 
However, when we get to the the main event this that we talked about, the Len Wein, Bernie Wrightson, and Nestor Redondo comics, uh, the content, amazing. The creature, I mean, I, I feel like he, from the gate, uh, from out right, just out the gate here, he is, um, it's a good character. And I like this version of Swamp Thing. I like it a lot. And as for the covers, it's Bernie Wrightson. There's some amazing covers going on here. Some super amazing covers. Definitely poster worthy. Definitely poster worthy. So that's all I have to say about that. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice seems to be going out a little bit. But um, yeah, that's okay because I'm at the end here. So I'm just going to say thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that you listened and uh, you can go to facebook.com slash comic book time machine to like us there, get updates on new episodes. Uh, you can go to comic machine, uh, comic book time machine.com. And that's our, our website that has all of our previous episodes on it. You can also find us on iTunes and other podcast catchers. And if you want to contact us, you can contact us at feedback at comic book time machine.com. And so I just want to say um, that as you are out there reading your comics, I hope you're having fun. And if you're not having fun reading your comics, you need to, to figure out what you're doing wrong and, and either find the stuff that's going to be make it fun for you or you know adjust how you're reading what you're reading that's not fun for you. So, um, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Every time I revisit these comics, I have... A lot of fun. So enjoy what you read and read what you enjoy. And as you're out there making your journeys and, you know, going from place to place and leaving alone with the Lonely Man piano from the Incredible Hulk TV show, uh, playing your soundtrack as you walk away, I want to uh, just wish you <laughs> Godspeed.